Are you tired of ticket fees? Pay the price for your ticket that is advertised and not a penny more. Go to TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Fantastic prices on all sports and concert tickets. Guaranteed seats, no fees. TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Welcome, welcome, everybody, back to another episode of Halitech Hall. Good morning, Mr. Halitech. How are you, sir? Good morning, Aaron. Uh, doing well. Doing well. Uh, we're, we're still uh, uh, bemoaning the fact that the Bears are in the playoffs. It's interesting seeing all the, uh, the Bears Twitter universe talking about the Bears not being there. But uh, all in all, it was... Uh, it's been a, it's been a good week since you and I last talked. Uh, how about you, my friend? Yeah, um, you know it's uh, the same um, winter of uh, Bears discontent, but uh, it's always a good week when the Packers lose. Um, so uh, happy about that, and uh, their season is over too. So it may sound petty, but that makes me feel a lot better because I really <laughs> was not looking forward to seeing Aaron Rodgers in the Super Bowl. Um, it was really all I wanted uh, was to avoid that. So uh, that worked out, and I think we have a good uh, good matchup ahead. We, we do. Uh, so on this week's episode, Aaron and I are going to talk about the, uh, the conference championship games that just took place. We're going to go over what is a very substantial list of unrestricted and restricted free agents that the Bears have to decide what to do. And Zach Pearson from BearReport.com is going to be joining us, and we're going to be talking uh, with with Zach, and it's going to be a fascinating conversation with him. We're going to be talking about uh, the coaches, the coach changes that took place uh, for the Bears over the last couple of weeks, and, of course, previewing the Super Bowl. So uh, we segued right into this. We'll, we might as well talk about the 49ers and the Packers first. And I think the best uh, the best meme I saw after the game was uh, Aaron Rodgers is standing in front of the reporters in a in a post game presser, and underneath it says, "Yeah, we we didn't get the support from the referees that we're used to getting." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which which I, I was you know it, it is kind of funny. The truth be known, you know. The, the Packers, as we all know, led the entire league with benefiting while they were on offense for defensive penalties that created first downs. And there wasn't even a second place that was close to the mm. amount of first downs that, that the Packers received. Um, right. all, albeit, you know, you got to give Aaron Rodgers credit for what he does at the line of scrimmage to draw the other team offside, but that's not 
what accounts for the vast majority of their first downs. But right. uh, it was a it was a heck of a game, um, a tale of two different games. Of course, the 49ers, it was all about the running game. Mm-hmm. And then when we get a, a chance to talk about Kansas City, it's, of course, the uh, the Patrick Mahomes magic show. But uh, uh, the best part about the weekend was when the Packers lost by more than eight points and the, they hit on the over, I won over 600 bucks on a parlay card. <laughs> oh, great. That's awesome. $50 <laughs> parlay card. I had the four nice. picks on it. Um, two were earlier in the week and the, then the, the championship game. I, I wish, I wish I would, I, I chickened out on the Kansas City game. If I would have had Kansas City and over, that parlay card would have been worth about uh, 12 grand as opposed to 600. But, wow. uh, you know, once you, once you get over four picks in a parlay card, uh, yeah. the, the odds become astronomical. Right. <laughs> so where's Mike North when we need him? Oh, he's on so, another network. Sorry about that. Right. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about this guy, Raheem Mostert. Everybody is bemoaning the fact uh, in Bears Twitter that, oh, we had him and we cut him. Oh, my <laughs> God. What yeah. in the world were the Bears thinking? Well, he was the sixth team in two seasons. <laughs> yeah. Two seasons that he was on right. and had a cup of coffee with all six teams before the 49ers picked him up as a free agent off waivers, signed him to a practice squad, and, you know, he's done nothing in a uniform up right. until up until this past Sunday. Right. So I actually posted a on, on Twitter uh, a poll is is Raheem Mostert the second coming of either A Emmett Smith or B Timmy Smith. And right. Most people don't know who Timmy Smith is, which is exactly uh, exactly my point. Right. Timmy Smith was a running back that did nothing for the Washington Redskins. He played two or three years. And Timmy Smith in Super Bowl 22 set what was and still is the all-time record for rushing yards in a Super Bowl by a running back with over 200. It it hasn't been topped ever since 1987. And he promptly disappeared from the league, which is probably what we're going to see Raheem Mostert do. But uh, to all those Bear fans that, that are bemoaning the fact that, oh, Ryan Pace missed again. Well, so did five. So did five other teams. So let's let's yeah. put that one to rest right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, the guy is. It's a great story for him. I mean, it's you know he's the testament to his to his uh, determination to stick with it and and keep trying. I mean, uh, you know, the the 49ers just have a great offensive line and a great run scheme, and doesn't really matter who they put back there as long as they're. Um, you know, somewhat functional. It seems like they're going to gain yards uh, and they, you know, they're just so committed to the run and they're just gashing the 49ers. Um, you know, it's uh, it's pretty impressive to see just how committed to the run they are, you know, and um, they'll, they'll run it on, you know, third and eight. And then if they don't make it, they'll go on fourth and two, um, you know, and so it doesn't... Uh, it doesn't even matter 
what Garoppolo does, they seem to be able to accomplish that. Uh, Garoppolo's good enough to keep the defenses honest. Um, but I brought up, you know, that I think it's funny how the narrative uh, about the Titans was, you know, Tannehill, 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 even though it was really Derrick Henry. And yet with this, it's, oh, Garoppolo's not that good. And they have, they're forced to lean on the run uh, and the defense. It's just, you know, <clears throat> it's funny how um, a nine and seven feel good story that wasn't supposed to be in the playoffs gets written one way. And then, you know, a, a number one seed uh, who's been dominating people all year, you know, gets written another way when basically they're doing it the same exact way. Um you know, defense and running the ball. So it'll be interesting. I mean, you know, you can kind of look at, I, I look at the Titans as a similar, as a very similar team to the 49ers, just the way they were playing. And, you know, you saw what the chiefs were able to do, um, you know, so it's, I think it'll be interesting. I, I don't think that, uh, I don't think the 49ers are going to be able to do what they did to the, to the Titans, to the, or to the Packers, to the chiefs. It's going to be interesting. You know, the you know, Green Bay Packers defense seemed to tighten up and play well over the last few weeks. Uh, nobody expected, you know, San Francisco to, to run right down their throats. But yet here we are, 29 carries, 220 yards uh, for this kid, um, four touchdowns. Just an unbelievable performance. Uh, one of their other running backs, you know, they have these two-headed monsters at San Francisco. He went out early with a, either a shoulder or an elbow injury and, and never came back to the game. But here we are. Uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't have to throw the ball. He threw the ball eight times. Eight times in an NFC championship game. Uh, so it, it the 75% passing completion ratio, but it doesn't count for any statistical record. Uh, 77 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. But you know, he, he didn't need he didn't need to throw the ball. That was the game plan. Aaron Rodgers, 31 out of 39, 326 yards. He had two touchdowns. One was you know pretty much in in garbage time, you know, when they scored, they scored 13 points in the fourth quarter when they were already down 34 to seven. So, uh, yeah, but he had two interceptions. He fumbled twice, lost one of them. So Aaron Rodgers did not have a stellar performance by any stretch of the imagination. And, uh, you know, one of the, the talking heads we love to hate and and I'm sorry, I can't think of his name right off the top of my head, uh, was very crystal clear in reporting that Aaron Rodgers is now one in three in NFC title games. Yep. And the only game he won was against a quarterback by the name of Caleb Haney. Yep. And he, was, he even spelled Haney wrong. Yep. <laughs> uh, but let's, you know, that... The cards are what the cards are. He hasn't played well. Uh, you know, aside from the Seattle game, when they were ahead by two scores and Seattle came back and scored, the, uh, the, the tight end for the Packers muffed the onside kick. Seattle was able to recover it. They went down and scored the game-winning score. Uh, 
you know, that was a game that, that Green Bay should have had, but it now goes against you know, Aaron Rodgers' record. So he's one in three in NFC title games, and I'm saying to myself, don't you wish the Bears were one in three in title games? Sure. <laughs> I'd take it. <laughs> I mean, just to be in an NFC title game would be nice. Uh, you know, the Rodgers apologists will bring up the fact that the defenses have given up lots of points in all those games. But at the same time, you know, <clears throat> you're Mr. Hall of Fame elite quarterback. You should you should play better than that. And he hasn't he hasn't uh, played well in those games. I mean, it is what it is. They also the Packers couldn't run the ball. Um, I mean, I honestly did expect because the 49ers crushed them when the last time they played the Packers this season, I mean, it was a drubbing. So I, I was not surprised how this game went. I, I kind of felt like maybe there'd be some Rogers magic. Um, and there was, but it wasn't enough. Um, you know, I, I'm not surprised how, it, how it went. I, you know, you, when you have a tight end like Kittle and you know, the, 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 the Packers defense has made a lot of sacks and, um, you know, kind of splash plays, but they really haven't, been great at holding teams down from scoring particularly well so um you know their linebackers are pretty pretty bad and uh it doesn't surprise me the way that the 49ers went at them so the interesting part about this game was obviously no running game for green bay no passing game for san francisco george kittle had one target for one catch for what six yards was it it was a big uh, one, though. It was it was 19 yards. Yeah, it was it a was, big it was a big play though. The, yeah. They needed it at that time. Kind of the momentum was shifting, but yeah, it's kind of crazy. So you know, Aaron Rodgers, his you know his QB rating was what 99. It would have been you know like 120 without those two picks, and one of those picks was you know at the end of the game when it was uh, you know a hail mary situation, it, but. That was the game. It was it was really the. I'm surprised it was only 27 to nothing at halftime. I really was. Right. Because it it seemed like the 49ers just dominated the game from the very first snap all the way through the the middle of the fourth quarter, and then Green Bay scored three, uh, 13 points uh, late in in the game to at least cut it to uh, to a two score game, and then Robbie Gold's uh, field goal to make it 37 to 20 and make it a three score game really just, uh, you know, and the celebration was on right. one, one of the, one of the bears writers was very keen to point out that every single point scored by San Francisco came from a former bear going with this mustard narrative. So right. 24 points by mustard on four touchdowns, and then, of course, Robbie Gold's field goals, right. three field goals, four extra points. So every single point scored in the NFC title game came from a former Bear, although he played, I think, Monster played one game with uh, with the Bears. So we'll put that narrative to, to rest. Uh, in the first game on Sunday, it was kind of more of the same. Um, from from the Kansas City Chiefs. They got off slowly, but then steamrolled ahead for a victory. Mm-hmm. 
Did you watch any of the games? Yeah, I watched them both. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed them both. I'm not. I, I know a lot of Bears fans are trapped in this. Uh, coulda, woulda. Why don't we have this guy? You know, and you could definitely get caught up in that. I mean, the Super Bowl is is a quarterback we could have traded for and a quarterback we could have drafted. Whatever. I enjoy football and I enjoy Patrick Mahomes. I enjoy watching him play. I want. To, I, I'm personally rooting for Andy Reid to get the monkey off his back and and win the Super Bowl. So. Um, you know, I was, I enjoyed it. The Chiefs, uh, Chiefs are exciting to watch. They got, you know, some, they have the best tight end in the league, one of the best skill position, position guys in the league, and Tyreek Hill, and, and they have Patrick Mahomes, and when you have him, uh, you can do a lot of things. He's fun to watch. When you look at some of the receivers, uh, you, you got Sammy Watkins, Tyreek Hill, uh, Tra- Travis Kelsey only had three catches for 30 yards in that game he didn't play a a huge role mm-hmm. uh, but Watkins 114 yards on seven grabs one TD Tyreek Hill five grabs for 67 yards and two scores so very very interesting the uh, you know the Patrick Mahomes touchdown run was a th- absolute thing of beauty uh, so it was just an all-around you just just a great it was a great game to watch even if you're not a fan of either team it was just a, a just a wonderful game to watch Tannehill wasn't bad he was 21 of 31 only at 209 yards but he had two TDs um, but Kansas City once they get rolling uh, they're just they're just hard to stop but it, you know, the Titans were, were they what up? They were up ten to nothing early, I believe, and Kansas City ended up leading at halftime. Just like the week before, wasn't such a dramatic comeback, but they were up twenty-one to seventeen. There was no scoring at all in the third quarter, and then they scored fourteen points. Titans scored seven, so the final score was was thirty-five to fourteen. So that. That sets up an interesting scenario going into, well, what we got uh, 10 days, 11 days from today when we uh, we get to witness Super Bowl 54. Um, you got San Francisco. Uh, they've, been, they've been in the Super Bowl already this this millennium. <laughs> right. You know, when, uh, what they, when they got beat by Baltimore. But... To your point earlier, Andy Reid has brought Kansas City back to the Super Bowl for the first time since Super Bowl IV when they beat the Minnesota Vikings. So they were also contestants in Super Bowl One, and there was a sentimental uh, wish, if you will, uh, for a lot of fans out there to have at the 100th mark of the season to have a rematch of, of Super Bowl One when Kansas City uh, got beat by Green Bay. So um, we'll talk more about the uh, the Super Bowl with our guest, Zach Pearson from BearReport.com, who's going to be joining us right after this message from our sponsor, TickSplits.com. 
So you're looking for great ticket deals. Who is it? Well, TixBlitz.com has you covered. From the biggest sporting events to Broadway shows and concerts, TixBlitz.com has the best ticket selection at the very best prices out there and no service fees. So the price you see is the price you pay. Plus, TixBlitz.com donates up to 25% of their proceeds to charity. TixBlitz.com has the tickets you want when you want them. Go to T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com today. That's TixBlitz.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, thank you again to our sponsor, TixBlitz, TixBlitz.com. Use the promo code TAILGATE for 5% off your order. And we're very happy to welcome a returning guest uh, to the Haltech Hall show. Uh, it is Zach Pearson from BearReport.com. Uh, he's a uh, Bears reporter that uh, gets to go up to Hallis Hall and uh, follows the team very closely. Good morning, Zach. How are you? Good, good. How are you guys doing? Great. We're doing well. Hey, Zach, we, before we brought you on, we were just recapping the, the NFC uh, championship, uh, conference championship game. So why don't we just go right to a preview of what you think you're going to, we're going to see for Super Bowl 54 down in Miami? Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting one. Um, I, I've looked a little into the game. I, I'm leaning towards the Chiefs just because I think Patrick Mahomes is just unreal and probably the best quarterback in the league right now. Um, but, I mean, that 49ers defense is so good. So if, if the 49ers fall behind and – or if the Chiefs fall behind and the 49ers can kind of get up and, and get maybe a two-score lead, I think they're more capable of holding the lead rather than, like, you know, the Titans were. Because we saw the Titans get up, what was it, like 10 nothing on the Chiefs, but – once the Chiefs got the lead and forced Ryan Tannehill to throw, um, the Titans were pretty much toast because they just kind of went away from Derrick Henry. I think if the Chiefs get up in this one, um, 49ers have a shot of coming back. Um, and if the, if the 49ers get up, I think they have a better shot of holding that lead, if that makes sense, due to you know just their defense is so much better than Tennessee's. And they can actually run the football um, I don't think Garoppolo is going to throw it eight times again. I think he'll have to throw it at least 20 times in this one um, for the 49ers to win. I'd lean the Chiefs in this one, to be honest. Uh, I don't know what the point spread is. I think it's like one, one and a half. I would probably take the points. I think it's going to be a close game, but I, I pretty much I'd go with the Chiefs, I'd say, by a field goal. One of the things that fans are forgetting, they're, they're, everybody is so in the moment with these last couple of games, you know, people forget that just a few weeks ago, San Francisco went down to New Orleans and Garoppolo had a stellar game against the, against the New Orleans Saints and let them down to that last second victory when Robbie Gold kicked that field goal. So uh, it's going to be interesting. This, you know, I don't know if they can, they can go up and down the field with Kansas City the way they that New Orleans and San Francisco did, but um, I, I'm not going to sell Garoppolo short at this minute. But obviously, you know this kid Mahomes. You know when he came out of college, there were you know there were several scouts that weren't sold on this kid. But he has brought some intangibles to this game that that has just become a generational talent. Yeah, and with Garoppolo, you know, I mean, everyone wants to say, like, threw the ball eight times against the Packers. Well, when you run the ball so damn well, why would you want your quarterback to throw the ball more than eight times? I mean, Packers could not stop the run at all. So, 
Yeah, I really didn't really see that as a big deal. If it takes you eight times to throw a football to win, go ahead. More power to you. Um, yeah, as far as Mahomes, I mean, God, he's only, what, 24, 25 years old. Um, he's going to be just a force to reckon with in this league for, you know, the next, what, 10 to 15 years. And it's like it hurts us, especially because, you know, we look at the guy that we drafted in that same draft class and traded up for. And what I found interesting is, you know, Mahomes went later on in that draft. The Chiefs traded a couple picks up to land him. The Bears traded up for Trubisky, and they traded with the 49ers, who pretty much stockpiled picks. And a couple of those picks turned into, like, um, Alvin Kamara was one of them. Uh, you know, Solomon Thomas really isn't worthy of being number three pick or has played to be worthy of number three pick. But, I mean, what John Lynch has done over there in San Francisco with through the drafts and finding the talent, um, he has been has been fantastic. But, yeah, back to Mahomes, I just <clears> – <throat> I mean, what a talent. I mean, the guy, he got, you know, he got to sit the whole year behind um, Alex Smith and learn from Andy Reid, learn from Matt Nagy, which I think really helped him. I think if he was put in Chicago and kind of put in the dialogue into John Fox offense, he might have struggled a bit. I don't think, you know, he would be bad by any means. Uh, maybe he takes an extra year to, to progress. But, I mean, the guy looks like the next big thing in the NFL, the next, you know, top five quarterback of all time. Or he's at least on that path to being – up there, I think he's got to win a couple Super Bowls and win a couple more MVPs uh, to be in, kind of in that conversation. But yeah, it's gonna hurt because we're gonna look back, you know, 15, 20 years from now and be like, no, oh, that's the guy we could have had <laughs> on our roster and what could have been, you know. One of the best comments I saw uh, over the last few days was somebody saying, "Imagine if the tables were turned and the Bears would have drafted." Mahomes in Kansas City would have drafted Trubisky, and we would all be sitting here saying, you know, we could have had Trubisky. <laughs> yeah, uh, and just, just, just imagine what if, what if Trubisky had been able to sit behind Alex Smith and had the tutelage of Andy Reid? What would he be doing today, as opposed to, you know, how the tables actually turned out? So it's. It's it's an interesting narrative, and it's going to be one that's going to plague Trubisky for the rest of his career. Going back to what you said earlier, Zach, the uh, the current line right now is uh, Kansas City minus one, and the over under uh, for the Super Bowl is 54. I, I think I would do over on that one. Yeah, life's too short to bet the under. You always got to bet the over. I mean. <laughs> I I just every time I bet the under I just find it less fun to to root for because you know I want points whether it's basketball or football uh, you always want points scored so I mean if you bet the over and it comes up short yeah it stings but at least you got at least a decent game if it's close exactly yeah you only uh, bet the under if you're trying to hedge <laughs> right? nobody exactly. nobody sits there and and uh, roots for the under. Um, I, I think one of the kind of undersold stories of the Chiefs has been their defense, though. You know, um, Frank Clark uh, sort of uh, well publicized that he went out and made a big statement about stopping Derrick Henry. And he, you know, he backed things up. And uh, Teron Matthew um, has been playing lights out and just just looks like, a, you know, the kind of the honey badger uh, of old. And um, he's making plays all over the field. And, you know, they uh, the Chiefs defense is, you know, they've gone they've they've given up points early to both Baltimore and Tennessee, but they've stiffened when they needed to. And they've, you know, come through and they played very well over the last, uh, you know, part of the season. So 
you know, I wouldn't discount, um, you know, their ability to uh, to to stop the 49ers as well. And then also, you know, Mike, you mentioned that the 49ers went down and had that big game in, in New Orleans. Well, they also, you know, uh, kind of laid an egg against the Falcons, which was unexpected as well. Um, you know, gave up 29 points to the Falcons and lost the game they shouldn't have lost. So, you know, it's always interesting. Um, you know, there's a long layoff and and who knows what happens uh, leading up to the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, anything can really happen. You know, uh, teams get down there in, in Miami and, um, you know, it, it's always uh, it, it's always that long wait uh, for the game. And, you, you know, you just hope if you're rooting for the teams or rooting for a good game that that everybody makes it without uh, getting arrested or, uh, you know, something crazy happening or. Oh, it doesn't rain like it did when the Bears were there in Miami. You know, uh, just there's a, a bunch of extenuating factors that can cause a Super Bowl game to be uh, not what we expect. Yeah, Miami. Miami is one of those cities. I mean, look at the last couple of Super Bowls in the cities it's been in. I mean, Atlanta, San Francisco, Houston. Um, what was it? Minnesota had one. Indianapolis. It's like Miami is just a totally different animal in those cities, yep. and it's. You know, it's a city that pretty much never sleeps. I mean, it's, it's all the clubs are open pretty damn late. Mm-hmm. Um, do, they ever, do they ever close? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, you have beautiful weather down there. There's the beach. There's South Beach down there. It's Yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of follow that along. It's definitely one of those cities where I feel like every time it ha- like there's a Super Bowl in Miami, there's always like one of those stories of oh, a player missed curfew or someone got sighted or, you know, mm-hmm. something crazy like that. So we'll have to keep our eyes out this year. Hopefully nothing like that happens because I think, you know, when you line both these two teams up without any injuries or suspensions or anything like that, I, I think it, it's going to serve for a pretty damn good game. Exactly. Uh, one last comment about that 49er New Orleans game, and then we'll get to the Bears and what they've done so far in the offseason already. Uh, Drew Brees, 29 out of 40 for 349 yards, five touchdowns. Jimmy Garoppolo. 26 of 35, 349 yards, four touchdowns. But he also threw a pick. So uh, there's no doubt that Garoppolo can light it up if he needs to. So it's going to be, uh, yeah, it's going to be a hell of a game. And I think it's going to be, you know, February 2nd at 5:30, uh, a week from Sunday. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a can't miss game if you're a football fan. Zach, we uh, we've made some changes on our coaching staff, and you know when when the first announcement was made, uh, the the guy that came out of Cincinnati, uh, a lot of people thought he was going to be just a a whipping boy for for Matt Nagy, and the uh, the guy that that we're going to we're going to blame if uh, if the offense doesn't pick it up, but. And when they ended up doing what they did with the rest of the coaching staff, uh, I, for one, am pretty excited. So I'm giving you the floor to uh, to talk about all the coaching changes. Yeah, the Bill Lazor, I mean, at first it really wasn't the sexy hire. Um, I think a lot of people had Pat Shermer on their list, um, Mike Kafka from the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. But, you know, with Bilami not getting a job, Kafka decided to stay. In Kansas City, and you know Shermer, um, Shermer ended up going to Denver with uh, Vic Fangio, which kind of broke after they fired their offensive coordinator one year. Um, So yeah, I mean it really wasn't a sexy hire, but 
Then we saw the moves a couple, well, I think it was like a week later where they announced the rest of the hirings, DeFilippo, um, coming on as quarterback's coach, the promotion of Dave Ragone, which shouldn't surprise anyone. They really think highly of Ragone and House Hall. Um, I actually had that in my one of my offensive coordinator pieces. I hinted that, you know, maybe that you shouldn't be surprised if they do promote Ragone to offensive coordinator or another position um, on the staff. And now you know, he'll be the passing game coordinator who works with Mitchell Trubisky for the third season. Uh, he's been here for, what, now this will be his fourth or fifth year. So, yeah, I, I was I was fine with most of the hires. Uh, I don't think – I mean, I think you can kind of nitpick. You know, maybe you have some small complaints about the hires. They really weren't going to go out and get that big offensive coordinator, and the main reason is, you know, Matt Nagy's not going to give up his play calling duties. And, and why would a really good established offensive coordinator, you know, someone like Pat Shermer who just got out of a head coaching job – why would he come to Chicago if he's not going to be able to call the plays? Um, he's going to go somewhere, Denver, where Vic Fangio is going to say pretty much, hey, I'm doing all the defense. You're doing all the offense. This is how we're going to work. You're almost going to be like a head coach, um, like an assistant head coach to me. He wasn't going to have that role here in Chicago. So it just really didn't make any sense. That was the other thing I was a little concerned on Kafka was, you know, does he want to – kind of take a step back and, and, and stay on the same path. I mean, he's really going to the Bears as offensive coordinator without um, the play calling duties and upgrade from where he's at right now. I don't think so at all. I think he's probably in a better spot in Kansas City because um, he'll eventually get his chance as offensive coordinator there and he'll have his kind of input on the play calling duties as well. So, yeah, I mean, then you look at Juan Castillo, the offensive line coach, um, another guy with a lot of experience in the NFL. Um, he was out of the NFL last season. Actually, all of them except for, um, who was it, DeFilippo was, were out of the NFL last season. Um, now they're all coming back to work, and they're all going to join up on the Bears staff. But, yeah, I mean, I like Castillo. He's a veteran. I think, you know, I was a big fan of Harry Heastan. I know a lot of people have spoken out and, and you know, have said they're big fans of Harry Heastan, especially Olin Kruitz. He sounded pretty damn shocked when they got rid of him. But, I mean, it all came down to just the, the run game. Him and Mark Helfrich were apparently in charge of the run game. It wasn't getting, you know, the job done. And, you know, from what I've gathered and learned is maybe, you know, there was a little bit of a factor of Matt Nagy and, and Harry Heeson didn't have the best relationship. And it was kind of just a, not a legacy hire, but kind of just a hire where it's like, I really don't know this guy, but, I mean, I know exactly what he's done at the college and NFL ranks. Let's kind of put them in, and, and let's just have go the safe, you know, the safe route. Now they're going to kind of take a chance on a, on a veteran like Juan Castillo. I think you know him and Nagy have ties together, so we'll see how that works out. But I mean, they got you could say what you want about Mitchell Trubisky and and whether or not the Bears bring in another quarterback, um, whether it's a rookie or a free agent. That offensive line still has to get better. If that offensive line does not get better and play better, the Bears are going to be in trouble again next season. You, you hit the nail right on the head, uh, and I've, I've been talking about that. Aaron and I have been talking about that ever since the the Redskins game, when you know they they came, you know they had that great performance in the second quarter of that game. But you took a look at you know Kyle Long landing in Mitch Trubisky's lap uh, on his one interception that was in the red zone which uh, how can you fault the guy for, for trying to throw the ball and, you know, defender makes a good play on it when you've got a, you've got your, your right guard sitting in your lap while you're trying to throw the ball. And it just, 
you know, it, and it just deteriorated from there. And, and we all talked about it, not just our show, but you look up and down Bears Twitter and all the podcasts. The, 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 everybody echoed the same sentiment about this offensive line. Uh, you know, I, and I know that Olin Krutz has actually been uh, not very critical of, of uh, Bobby Massey. He says he's an okay uh, tackle. Uh, you've got you've got the kids in the middle with with Whitehair and Daniels, uh, who where they're going to play next year. I hope they keep Whitehair at center and just let him do his thing. Uh, last year, Whitehair's biggest problem as center was getting the the direct snap, uh, the, you know, the shotgun snap back to Trubisky. But you know, he had a couple of issues when he first came back to center, but you didn't see it in this the rest of the year. Uh, so yeah, offensive offensive line you're going to need to tweak a little bit, but you got you got bars uh, that should be ready to step into the right guard position. You have uh, some opportunities maybe at left tackle. You know, Leno for for what he did and the extensions that he got. Uh, you know you need you need a, a game changer at that position going forward that can help protect Trubisky and, uh, and be just a greater on the, on the outside edge for the running game. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to address the offensive line, um, you know, one way or the other here. I think you keep White here at center because, you know, it, it's more familiar with him. He's been, he's been playing there for most of his career. The switch really didn't work out as as the Bears had hoped for um, with Daniels. I, I think a lot of people are maybe looking at Daniels and kind of giving up a little too soon on him. He's still a young offensive lineman that's learning. He had a fantastic rookie year at guard. Um, and then, you know, the switch to center obviously didn't work out. He struggled all season long last year, even at guard. But he's learning. He's, he's still developing. I think he'll be fine um, at left guard. I, there's the problem on the tackles. The tackles have... have were just absolutely brutal last year. Problem is they both have big cap hits that you're not going to move away from um, this off season. So they're going to be here. I think you try to look and maybe draft a developmental tackle um, in the, in the draft or maybe bring in another veteran, a cheap deal that you can kind of plug in if Massey or Leno jr. Um, get hurt or struggle and you can kind of pull them out. Um, as far as right guard, yeah, I, I, I don't know if Alex Bars will right away fit in and start. I think they'll probably go the, the route of finding a, a veteran either on a short-term deal or maybe they you know spend a lot of money to go out and get a veteran um, that, that is proven. There's a couple out there that you know might be worth some big bucks. It's just the problem is the Bears the cap space, so they're going to have to figure out a way how to spend that wisely. I don't know if you spend it all or most of it on on a tackle or offensive line positions, um, or even guard. But yeah, they're going to have to find a way to to stabilize that offensive line. I think you know it would make sense. You go in with Massey and Leno Jr. as your starters. You go with Daniels at the left guard, Whitehair at center, and I think you know you kind of bring in a veteran, have him compete with Alex Bars and Rashad Coward, and you know if it's the veteran or coward starting, and then they move the transition to bars. Then so be it. What, what tells me that bars isn't ready to start is I thought for sure he'd get in in that, in that Minnesota game and at least start the game and play the whole game. 
I don't even think he played a snap at the end in week 17, which out of the playoff race didn't make any sense. Why not take a look at, you know, your potential future right guard? So we'll see. I think offensive line is, I think it's tight end, offensive line, quarterback, um, at least some competition. And then depending on what happens in free agency, those are all going to be big positions they have to address. Well, I mean, I think, you know, one thing you have to look at with the final four teams that were left in contention, they all have very good offensive lines. They all have offensive lines that have multiple first-round picks on them. Um, you know, and I was thinking last week, I look at the Titans and the Ravens, and I think, well, maybe the Bears are not that far away. But then you look at the 49ers and the Chiefs, and you kind of think, boy, the Bears are kind of far away, you know, just because it's, it, you know, it's tough to – to see them beating either one of those teams. Whereas I think, you know, I think the bears, you know, on the right day could, could maybe match up well with the Titans or the, uh, or, you know, the Ravens. Um, but what, what I just think has been a problem is that, you know, and it's not just Ryan pace, but you know, it's only really worth talking about recent GM is that we just have not invested, uh, picks in on the offensive line. Um, you know, you've, they've, they made something out of a low pick in Leno. Uh, Massey's not a high pick. Cody was a second-round pick. James Daniel was a second-round pick. Obviously, Kyle Long, they hoped, would come back. But, you know, the Rashad Coward experiment was a giant failure. Um, I, the Sewell uh, conversion to tight end was a giant failure. Um, and Alex Bars, I think, was a, was a sneaky, you know, um, pick. And obviously the 49ers liked him and tried to take him away, and we signed him. Uh, but his development, I think, has to be chalked up as a failure as well. And I think that's why, uh, you know, you no longer have Harry Heastand and uh, Kevin Gilbride uh, Jr. Uh, working for this team anymore because <clears throat> the two, you know, that Pace talked about regression um, across the board and uh, the two – uh, groups that regress the most have to be the offensive line and the tight end group. Um, now the tight end group regressing the way it did and basically disappearing uh, has to be given a ton of blame for a, a lot of areas, um, you know, uh, of of the Bears not doing well, uh, you know, and, and that goes to the offensive line, the quarterback play, the run game, uh, the pass game. I mean, there was a stat going around that. Um, the Bears, the Bears' leading tight end receiver didn't even have 100 yards on the season in J.P. Holtz. <laughs> like, yeah. yep. it, like it, the, it cannot be understated just how horrible the Bears' tight end room was. And, and it wasn't like, I mean, I feel like they tried to address it. Um, you know, I certainly would have liked to see maybe some more actual picks and less of these undrafted free agents that we were being told were going to be you know, something interesting, Dax Raymond and so forth. So the upcoming in the draft, they have to, and supposedly they are talking, you know, to, they've been talking to Bryson Hopkins and, um, you know, uh, the tight end out of Vanderbilt and some of these guys at the senior bowl. So I'm hoping that we're at the stage now where it's time to draft guys who are going to play. You can't draft these high ceiling projects anymore. You need to draft guys who are ready to play, um, you know, and it really any functional tight end at this point is going to come in and and be an upgrade uh, over what they have. You know, there's really not I mean, they're stuck with Burton. Hopefully he has this hip surgery and that can be the key to unlocking what's been going on with him. Maybe they're somewhat hopeful on that. 
other than that, you don't really have anybody that uh, is of note. You know, you got Holtz is fine. Broniker is decent special teams player. Um, you know, hopefully Shaheen just uh, doesn't make the team. Uh, you know, he's going to be brought to camp. He's going to be brought to camp because he's under contract, but I don't see him making the team. And, uh, you know, whatever. You got a couple other odds and ends guys that maybe, you know, can be. But I think they're going to be in a situation where they're carrying five tight ends again. Um, you know, but hopefully there's somebody that's a stud uh, that can that can come in and do something because uh, that you look at the Chiefs and how important that tight end is. Um you know, I mean, every team left in the playoffs, the 49ers, how important is George Kittle? How important is Kelsey? How important was, you know, the Titans um, for the for the Ravens and the Titans? You just can't function as an NFL team without that position. So uh, it's going to be very interesting. Zach, any last thoughts before we uh, I know you've got to make some appointments, so we can't keep you too much longer. Any last thoughts about what the Bears are going to be doing in the draft? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, to echo Aaron's comments there, I think you have to prioritize tight end. Um, I think Ryan Pace has got to hit a home run on the tight end position. You have to either go out and get, you know, a guy that's proven to be really good, someone like Hunter Henry, Austin Hooper, maybe even Eric Ebron. And I would also draft a tight end, you know, potentially in the second round or, or maybe later on. It's, it's a position you have to fix. And we mentioned, you know, the 49ers, look at 49ers and Chiefs. They have probably the two best tight ends in football right now. You can probably mix in Zach Ertz right there with them. Um, it, it's it's big for these the style of offense that Matt Nagy wants to run. You have to have the three tight ends. Um, you know, you kind of kind of have your blocking tight end, your pass catching tight end, and then your guy can kind of do it all and be your hybrid tight end. Right now, I, I mean, going into into the offseason, I'm not confident in any of the tight ends on the Bears roster, and that includes Trey Burton because. We look at it, what happened last year? All offseason, he had the surgery, the injury. Um, throughout training camp, you know, he only practiced a couple of tra- practices in training camp. And we heard, oh, well, it wasn't a big deal. It's not a big deal. Misses week one. Ineffective for the you know, six, seven games he played out for the rest of the season. I just don't think you can count on him. I think anything you get from him right now is going to be a bonus um, in 2020. I don't think Adam Shaheen's going to make the roster unless there's a couple injuries. And like Aaron said, I'm not very confident in these undrafted guys. You know, I, I like what J.P. Holtz does. I think he could be a solid third or fourth tight end that can kind of play fullback as well. But, I mean, if you're relying on, you know, Dax Raymond and Ben Braunecker and, and Eric Sarbert to be your pass-catching tight ends, you're going to see another season where not one's going to have over 100 yards. Yeah, I, I would focus tight ends. I think offensive line, tight ends, um, I would I – would, It'd be curious to see what they're going to do at quarterback. Um, they got to bring in some competition, at least to you know compete with with Mitchell Trubisky. I don't know if they'll spend one of the second round picks on a quarterback, or if they'll wait and kind of get a project guy. Um, I, I I have a couple on my list I really like that are, you know you can maybe get later on. I think guys like Jordan Love, Jake Fromm, Jacob Eason, Anthony Gordon are probably going to go in the first three to four rounds, but. I mean, look at um, James Morgan out of FIU as a transfer out of the MAC, and then um, a guy kind of on my radar that I would be interested in bringing him in at least because I don't know if he's going to be drafted. But Mason Fine out of North Texas uh, is a very intriguing prospect. He's he's got some concerns with his height. I think he's only like five nine, five ten, but he can really sling that football around the field. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I, 
it's going to be an interesting free agency and draft period, and, and obviously we'll get to hear from Ryan Pace at the scouting combine um, in February before free agency. I don't think he'll tip his hat on what their big plans are for free agency. I think we'll get more of um, what they plan on doing with their own guys in-house first, if they plan on re-signing Danny Trevathan, Nick Rakowski, um, maybe some possible cuts. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. It's gonna it's a very important off season because I think the window is still open a little bit. You can open it a little bit further this off season, or you can kind of close it a little more, depending on the moves you make. Let's uh, let's hope that they open it up a little more and uh, the Bears are a little better next season. Zach, if you got anything that you want to talk about? Uh, just shoot us a line on Twitter, and we'll, you're more than welcome to be on our show anytime you want. Perfect. Sounds good. Yeah, I'll have um, so. a bunch of stuff. I'm just doing some free agency previews now and working on actually just started working on all the draft stuff. So, yeah, it'll be interesting next couple of weeks and months. So where can we find you on Twitter, Zach, for all of our listeners? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Zach, Z-A-C-K, Underscore Pearson. I also tweet from uh, the Bear Report account, which is just Bear Report. And then um, you can just read my work on the Bear Report and, uh, yeah, interact with me on Twitter. I I'm, I'm usually always reply unless people are jackasses or jerks. <laughs> that's really, that's really well, the case. And there, there's never any jackasses or jerks on Bear's oh. Twitter. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I tell you, I, it's, it's unbelievable like how some people just – and just make it a point to be like, be like that. It's like, come on. I mean, whether you disagree or agree, I don't care. Like, if you guys tweet something yeah. and I disagreed with it, I'm not going to call you guys names and say anything. Or, you know what I mean? Right. I wouldn't expect right. you guys to do the same. It's just, yeah, it's wild. Yeah. Keeping it real, right? right? Absolutely. Right. Z- Zach, thanks for joining us. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Talk to you several times on Twitter, off the record. We're having you on our show. Uh, you know, you're just a pleasure to talk Bears football with, and uh, thank you for being a friend of our show. I appreciate it. Anytime, guys. Thank you. All right. You have a great day. You too. Bye. Zach Pearson, everybody. Give him a listen. Go to bearsreport.com. He's got a lot of great in-depth things that he talks about. Uh, he's absolutely a must-read if you're any Bears fan at all. So uh, with that, Aaron... We just basically touched on with Zach as he was getting off some of the free agents. And the Bears, as of right now, have 53 men on the roster. They have 21 restricted or unrestricted free agents. So, you know, you're looking at, you know, not quite 50 percent. You get, but you got 40 percent of your roster that's going to be a free free agent whether it's restricted or unrestricted going into uh, the season when the season opens the middle of March, uh, starting with, with Danny Trevathan. So I'm going to read the list of the 21 people, and then we'll kind of go into detail on, on uh, people that we think should stay around. Uh, Danny Trevathan, Chase Daniel, HaHa Clinton Disc, Sherrick McManus, Aaron Lynch, our beloved Bradley Soule, Ted Larson, Nick Williams, Cornelius Lucas, Patrick Scales, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, Brent Urban, who you know, he had a few games late in the season, TJ Cummings, DeAndre Houston Carson, 
Nick Kwiatkowski, Dion Bush, Roy Robertson-Harris, Isaiah Irving, Rashad Coward, Devante Bond, and J.P. Holtz. So those are the 21 free agents going into the offseason. And like any good team, the Bears are going to concentrate up front on re-signing their own. Who are we keeping? Uh, I mean, I think you definitely, you know, um, you bring back Cornelius Lucas. I think you bring back um, Patrick Scales, obviously. That's not an issue. I think um, I'd like them to, to bring back Kwiatkowski. Um, I think he's a uh, he's a guy that has has showed a, a lot of promise and um, looks like a guy who can who can play um, you know uh, for a while in this league. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think you bring back Danny Trevathan. Um, you know, I wouldn't. I, you know, Nick Williams, I think, comes back. Uh, Roy Robertson Harris is actually a restricted free agent, so he should be back. Um, I believe Coward is also. Um, an exclusive restricted free agent. Uh, I personally wouldn't bring him back, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's back because they, they have invested a lot of energy into him. Um, you know, um, as far as uh, JP Holtz, why not? Um, I, I think you need Brett. Or I, I thought Brent Urban actually provided some, some good contribution. Uh, I think he should be pretty uh, affordable. Um, I would like to see Aaron Lynch uh, n- no longer in a Bears uniform very soon. Uh, he's, he was awful. Uh, he's like a walking penalty. Um, Sherrick, I hope he comes back, but it's kind of, you know, I don't know. He was a healthy scratch for no reason early in the year, and then he was hurt. And, um, you know, I'd like to see him back, but hard to say. Soul, I think he's gone. Larson was not really, I mean, what was he? He didn't really exist. Clemmings didn't really play. Uh, Dion Bush, I don't know. I suppose if they can bring him back for one year, million dollars, fine. Uh, for HaHa, I don't, I, I'd like to see them go elsewhere. I think um, HaHa played fine, but, but the way that he plays forced Eddie to be more of a uh, strong safety and less of a free safety, and I don't think I don't think that necessarily worked very well. I mean, I like HaHa, but I, I'd like to see them go out and find more of a traditional strong safety that allows Eddie to roam around. Um, and then I'm really hoping they don't bring Chase Daniel back because if they bring Chase Daniel back, it means that we're just resetting the whole quarterback room, and I just might have to cry if that happens. <laughs> <laughs> Chase, Chase Daniel, um, you know, what did he make? Six million dollars last year? There's some well, six ungodly, or seven, yeah. Yeah. ungodly number. So that's obviously going to be, you know, cap space that we can use. I wouldn't mind seeing him come back as some type of, uh, um, well, what do you call a coach that comes in? Uh, and the words escape me, but uh, quality assistant or yeah, he says know, he he says he still wants to play, so I wouldn't see him uh, in any kind of advisory role or any uh, coaching role yet. I, I think he's gonna he's gonna convince somebody to give him more money. Uh, I mean, God bless him, he's made about twenty million dollars for playing almost never. So, um, but 
But again, I just you have to have a backup who can actually win you some games if if Mitch goes down or doesn't play well. Well, Chase Daniels doesn't win games. He beat Detroit. Right. <laughs> you know, he didn't do well against the Giants. You know, they they lost the game because of him. He missed some wide open receivers. So it was ironic that he's missing receivers and Trubisky misses wide open receivers. And it's like a, we're seeing a shorter version of Trubisky when he's out there and without the without the physical athletic ability that Trubisky has. So I'm I, for one, am just literally tired of seeing Chase Daniel come on the field because he, you know, he does some good things with pre reads. It, you know when they line up, but aside from that, the, just the performance just isn't there. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, it, you know, once defenses kind of figure him out, they, he has too many limitations. I mean, he's actually, you know, he's got a he's had about a 70% completion percentage when he's come into games, um, you know, and and I think he actually runs their real offense better than Mitch does, but he just doesn't have the talent, uh, and teams can you know, um, can force him to, to do things. And then he ends up turning the ball over or gets hit and, you know, fumbles it or whatever. You, you wish you could put his head on Trubisky's body. We'd have a quarterback. Um, <laughs> that would, that would work a little bit better. We were touching base with Zach earlier on the tight end position. And the one name that I don't think we mentioned was this kid out of Princeton, Jesper Horstead. And Jesper, you know, he's almost a clone to Trey Burton. When you, you look at it, Trey Burton is 6'2", 238, and uh, Horstead is 6'3", 237. And they, when you see him on the field, they, they bring similar skill sets. So is, is Burton gone? No. You know, is, or is he going to be back? Uh, He's got too gonna, much of a cap hit. He's not gone. There's no yeah, way. Not, but not if they reach an injury settlement with him. Right. That's But that's the only scenario in which he's gone. So, yeah, I don't know what his cap hit is. It's about for, $8 million. For, for, for 2020. It's about $8 million. Um, you know, maybe they can get him to retire. <laughs> maybe. I mean, they're hopeful that the hip surgery is going to unlock this. You know, I think I mentioned before that uh, – that they've, you know, there's been similar cases um, where, you know, it's actually a labrum, a hip issue that that is sort of um, feels and looks like groin problems, but it's not really that. So they're hopeful that that can kind of uh, be the, the key to what's been going on. Um, you know, he went out and got some second opinions and things like that. And um, and that's what it's come. That's what's come about. So um, that's that's what they've got to hope for. I mean, they're they're stuck with him, um, you know, unless they can convince him to go away like Kyle Long, you know, went away. Uh, you know, Kyle Long, there was a very poignant tweet that uh, that came from Kyle recently when somebody was asking him about the, the decision to retire in he basically said, watching myself on tape and seeing a guy I didn't recognize made my decision the easiest decision in my career. Yeah. I mean, he's a smart guy. He's a, he's a he's an introspective guy. He knows what was going on. I mean, unfortunately, Kyle Long's career was a was a battle against his body. Um, 
you know, and he was a warrior, and and in a lot of times he won that battle, but eventually he didn't. Um, so you know, it's uh, you know, he 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 got out with his faculties and and most of his health. Uh, he's got lots of life left in front of him, and you know, great for him, I think. And, you know, and you're gonna see this more. You saw Luke Keekley uh, retire. Um, you know, you see these guys, uh, you know, just say, hey, you know what? I've made money in this game. I can uh, live a nice life. I'm not going to keep going out there and, and banging my head around and, you know, get to the point where I can barely walk. I can't get up in the morning. Uh, can't I can't pick my kids up, you know, uh, that kind of thing. So, I mean, that'll be what it's going to be. And it gets gives more opportunities for younger guys to get in. So. That's Absolutely. There's well, you got 32 teams. You got 53 men per roster. So you know, that's what 1,600 give or take athletes playing this game and and making a great living off of it. I mean, even the rookies, you know, rookie or free agent minimum wage is in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. And if they get a hold of a of a financial advisor and help them plan for their future they, they got it made even even these yeah. guys that are on on minimum contracts you know you could make if you're a five six year veteran you're what making eight eight nine hundred thousand dollars a year as a veteran minimum so you know invest it wisely mm-hmm. you know invest it wisely I, I would love to see some of these contracts that uh agents would would come up with uh, with deferred income, you know, if it's an $8 million contract, defer half of it and put it in an account that you can right. draw from that after your retirement. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think the, I think the league needs to, to, to take care of these guys. Cause unfortunately the vast majority of them don't, they have, you know, an average of a three or four year career. And, and a lot of them are broke uh, relatively soon after their career ends because, um, you know, they start living a lifestyle that they can't afford. They, you know, buy houses in multiple places and cars and, uh, you know, they're paying people to, 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 you know, be chefs and, and silly things like this. And then, you know, a lot of them are broke um, after, you know, a certain amount of time. So, you know, the league should should do a better job of, of uh, you know, like you say, almost forcing them to, to set up, a you know, a retirement fund. Um, right away, you know, or it should just be built into the contract, you know, that every, every contract sign has a percentage that goes into, you know, a, a, uh, a fund, um, for them, but yeah, it's called deferred income is right. what it's called. Right. So before we, uh, before we end our episode for this week, the one thing that uh, Zach touched, touched on was he's going to be starting his, his draft, uh, series here pretty soon on on bearreport.com and one thing that is interesting to see is this year there's going to be a rush on quarterbacks like there is every year but this draft is particularly heavy with talent at offensive tackle so you know I, I have seen even this early with these mock drafts, the Bears drafting an offensive tackle and a tight end with their two second-round choices. So, you know, we'll be getting more into that. We've got still, we've got three months to go before 
before we get into the draft. And you've got free agency starting the middle of March. So we've got another eight weeks before that hits. So uh, we've got the Super Bowl. Then three weeks later, we've got the Combine. And then a month later, the league officially begins and free agency opens. And then five weeks after that, we've got uh, the draft. So a lot to talk about. We'll talk a lot of history over the next following episodes. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I hope the Super Bowl lives up to its expectations. Um, Aaron, any uh, any last words from my co-host? Nope. Um, you know, it's never a, a truly dull moment. Uh, the league continues to to let out little tidbits about possible rule changes. You got the Pro Bowl coming up. You got free agency in March 16th. Um, you know, and of course that's going to really shape the path that the Bears take in the draft. So, um, you know, we can. It's fun to talk about the mocks and and see where they might pick. And you know, um, but we really don't know anything until free agency happens, and then and then the real needs um, take shape. Um, and uh, you know, we'll go from there. Um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it, it's, uh, I think it's still a very exciting time to be a Bears fan. You know, this is a team that uh, is not that far away. And I think, you know, it's important to remember that last offseason, a lot of people were talking about Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch uh, possibly move, going into a season where it was a make or break type of season for them. Um, you know, people were questioning the Garoppolo trade, the Garoppolo signing. People were questioning um, the drafts of John Lynch because they hadn't worked out. People were, you know, this, that, and the other. And then you have Garoppolo get hurt. They draft Joey Bosa. Next thing you know, there they are. So, yeah, anything can happen. It's a year-to-year league. Um, you know, uh, I think Bears fans should spend more time, and, you know, I'm talking to myself here, too, more time looking forward and less time second-guessing and, and questioning moves um, of the past, you know, because they're in the past, and, um, you know, it, this I, I believe that there's a lot of talent on this roster, and they're going to move forward and, and be right back in the mix. So a lot to look forward to. Saturday, 1.30 on NFL Network is the Senior Bowl, and uh, just about – there's going to be coaches and scouts from all 32 teams there. Um, take a look. There might be some future bears on those rosters. So uh, with that, uh, Aaron, it's been a, another great episode. We really appreciate uh, Zach Pearson coming on. He's a good friend of our show. Uh, and of course, we have to thank Tick Splits, our sponsor. Make sure you go to Tick Splits for all of your ticket needs. Uh, if you look at what StubHub has, the least expensive ticket as of two days ago on StubHub was about $4,800. And when you go in and put it in your cart, you find out that the service fees are about $1,400. The cheapest ticket on TickSplits a couple of days ago was about $5,300. But there's no service fees. So two tickets to the Super Bowl on TickSplits.com saves you more than $1,600, which pays for your hotel and airfare to get down there. So switch today to TickSplits.com and never play, pay service fees again. With that, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening, folks. <laughs>